the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Courageous Christianity, a public nonprofit ministry equipping Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. The intersection of our faith and the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world. It challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. As a colonel in the Marine Corps Reserves with numerous combat deployments, Richard Mendelo has walked dangerous ground in peacetime and in war. Join us for the next 30 minutes as he and his guests shed light on this critical intersection on spiritual combat and on the rules of engagement for courageous Christianity. And here's your host, Richard Mendelo. Hello and thank you for joining us. This is your first time listening. Welcome. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back. As always, I'm joined by and so grateful for Christy Stratton, my charming wingman. Good morning, Richard, and everyone. Good morning. Friends, we're in the middle of what was planned to be a three-part series on conflict. The first part was about pre-conflict mindset. The second part was about actual conflict. And the third part was going to be a recap. After last week's show on actual conflict, we've decided to add a second show talking about the actual conflict, so it's now a four-part series, and this is part three. Before we begin today's conversation, I must remind you that as a colonel still serving in the Marine Corps Reserves, I have to preface my comments by saying that these are my personal views, and they do not necessarily represent the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we appeal to you today for understanding and guidance. Though we each come to you from different circumstances, in Christ we are united. In that fellowship, Lord, we seek your unchanging truth that it may bind us together in unity. Help us, Father, to hear your voice and your words of empowerment. Help us to avoid useless quarrels and to stand firm in our faith, where it is profitable to do so for your kingdom. And help us to shine brightly together in this darkened world, to resist evil, and to walk in a way which glorifies your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So as a bit of a recap, uh, the first show, The Pre-Conflict Mindset, was about the resting place where we just spend most of our time. And we said that as we look for good in all people, as we ask questions, and as we listen carefully to the answers, we will have understanding. And in that understanding, we will have compassion because first and foremost, we come to the world in love. Last week... We talked about engaging or disengaging. We said if it would glorify God, if it's profitable to his kingdom, then through discernment, 
we would decide whether to engage or disengage. And we said that discernment was what you do, why you do it, how you do it, and when you do it. And we said that God cares about all four of those things all the time. Lastly, we talked about attachment. We said that Jesus was detached from outcomes because he was so attached to the truth. And attachment is important for us because if we're coming from a place of ego or self, we are sometimes attached to outcomes rather than the method. And it's in the method that we show his love to the world. Today, we're going to dig a little deeper into engaging and disengaging. And if you take away one thing from today's show, please let it be this. The only behavior you can control is your own. So people ask my opinion a lot. Uh, I don't know why. I'm an ordinary looking guy. Uh, I can probably put two sentences together well. Maybe it's because I'm in the Marines. Maybe it's because I look smart. I don't think that's it. I think all of the above. Oh, thank you, Christy. They ask my opinions, and I always have the same response. I say to them, will it affect what you do tomorrow morning when you wake up? And I say this genuinely not to uh, be, uh, I don't know, not to avoid anything, but I want to know where they're coming from. And I want to point out to them that I'm only interested if this is going to be a profitable conversation. I don't want to quarrel and I don't want to add noise to an already noisy world. And I'm also trying to point out to them that the only behavior that they can control is their own. And whatever I say, they must still start from that place. Mm. And that brings us to a discussion of a a tactical concern uh, in the military. And it's also discussed very much at the operational level of warfare. And it's called the OODA loop. It's an acronym and it's O-O-D-A. And it stands for observe, orient, decide, and act. So there was an Air Force fighter pilot, John Boyd, Colonel John Boyd, And he talked about it a lot at the operational level of warfare, which says, if we do this to the enemy, he's going to decide how he feels about it, and he's going to orient himself to that uh, perception. Then he's going to decide, and then he's going to act. So we can actually drive his actions by presenting to him information or obscuring information, so the way he makes his decision can be confounded. And uh, fighter pilots talk about getting inside the other guy's OODA loop. So when you're dogfighting a guy, you're basically turning in a tight circle, trying to get on his tail, he's trying to get on your tail. Not only is that a circle, but the decision-making cycle is a circle. So for example, if you climb into the sun, he has trouble seeing you. You have now put him to a decision. He has to try and observe orient, decide, and act. And in that moment where he's looking for you, you can generally take the initiative and have the advantage and then prosecute him successfully. So we have that opportunity very much in our lives. And I really want to talk about that because either you're deciding, either you're observing, orienting, deciding, and acting based on Jesus, based on what he wants, or you're being pushed around on the battlefield. Does, 
Does that make sense? Makes a lot of sense. And and first, I have to go back to the OODA thing. It just sounds fun to say. OODA loop. <laughs> OODA loop. But yeah. I don't I don't say that lightly because or what often. I, <laughs> or often. <laughs> yeah, I haven't said that often. But in the coaching world, we do a lot of things around our thinking, and um, and what when you were talking about climbing into the sun, as you talked about it, it made me think. Okay, so you're. And or asking, is it going to affect you tomorrow? It made me think that you're putting them into a thinking place. And oftentimes, believe it or not, we're not in a thinking place. This seems like a tactical tool that can help you kind of analyze your thinking. Absolutely. We're often in a very reactive place. Yeah. Uh, We woke up. We looked at our cell phones. The world told us we should be afraid of this alligator and this alligator. And these alligators are close to the boat, to use a military expression. And the next thing you know... Jesus is the last thing on your mind. You're just thinking about all these alligators that are supposedly close to the boat. And I had a vision yesterday, not a vision vision, but a thought. And I was talking to Christy about it. I pictured myself as a Christian standing in the pounding surf of this beach in a storm. I have a rope around my waist, and this rope is attached to a concrete block. And Jesus is that giant concrete block. And I'm trying to rescue survivors of the cultural shipwreck just off the coast. The waves are beating you up, and you're trying to get to these people and help these people. If your rope is not firmly attached to Jesus, then there's no telling where you're going to end up. You're probably going to get drug out to sea. And the other thing is, is this rope is not a rubber band. After the world pulls you out, it, it doesn't just snap you back to Jesus. You have to pull yourself back in on the rope. And, and my point with that vision, and I don't know if it works for y'all, but my point with that vision is that it is a very active thing on our part, what we attach our rope to every morning and remaining attached and not getting pulled out to sea, but pulling ourselves back in. So if you wake up in the morning and you don't immediately tie your rope to that concrete block yeah. on your knees. What are you tying it to? Right. Maybe you're tying it to your phone. Well, a lot of people are. Studies even show that. Yeah, and then it's off to the races. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, it's I off think to... a couple of shows ago, I, I was very self-effacing about the fact that I woke up, I right. lacked intentionality, I looked at Facebook, and it was off to the races, and, well, and I was just all wound up. It makes me think with the whole surf that you're talking about, can suck you in, the, you know, a phone right. or whatever that you're, if you're not attached to that concrete block just suck you in and suck you out and down. In, in which case, the world is in your OODA loop. Right. The world is driving your observations, your orientations. It's telling you how you should feel and what you should think. And then you're making decisions based on that presentation, right. which is generally false and fake. Right. And then you're acting. We're allowing it. We're allowing it. And so in discussing engagements... We have said that the intersection of our faith and the world is dangerous ground. It's the surf area where we can get drug out to sea if we're not careful. And so I want to talk about the fact that if you think of this OODA loop, this daily observe, orient, decide, act cycle, then how do we confront the world and not have the world drive us around the battlefield. Because you can never let the enemy choose the time and place of combat. 
He will always choose conditions which are favorable to himself, in which case we don't get out there and do the work we're supposed to do for the kingdom of God. Instead of talking about Jesus, we're talking about politics or this nonsense or that nonsense. And I'm a military guy. I'm not a political guy. I'm not interested in politics. I want to talk about Jesus, and I want to talk to good people who are trying to navigate this terrain in a way that glorifies God. And so you're at an arranged meeting. You've come face-to-face with somebody. You're trying to rescue them in the surf, perhaps. Or you're trying to see where they are. Are they friend? Are they foe? They're trying to get in your OODA loop, or are you going to be able to get in their OODA loop? And so asking questions is absolutely critical. For me, I ask, is this going to change what you do tomorrow morning when you get up? Do we really need to stand here and talk about this or that or the next thing? Or can I just focus on the good that I can do in my small world? So big on asking questions. And Christy explains that she says you got to come from a place of curiosity. You took the words out of my mouth. That's exactly where I was going. Because if not, then you're bringing your perspective and it doesn't open up, it doesn't invite trying to find out what their perspective is. And when we can share kind of that common ground of exploring others' perspectives, we can learn from each other. Um, We're not not, mm, so-called closing ourselves off to other perspectives. And I'm not saying, you know, the world perspective, but we may not understand why they're asking those things. It invites conversation. It finds yeah. discovery. I think you sent me a quote, Pastor Rick Warren, who said, in order to have unity, we don't have to have conformity. Right. So provided it doesn't trample the word of God, exactly. what we want to do is get to know this person and get to know their intentions and see what they are. So when somebody asks me a question, I, I sometimes say that. Another thing you can say is, why do you ask? Great thing. And immediately what it's going to do is it's going to buy you decision space. It's, uh, in combat, we talk about security, and security is comprised of space and time. Space creates time. Either way, we want the opportunity to try and figure out what the enemy is doing so we can react or respond or act accordingly. So rather than just going in the world and meeting these people and having them drive you around the battlefield, somebody asks you a question and you say, why do you ask? Right. And you don't say it in an aggressive way. You're genuinely trying to find out where is the common ground here? What is this person concerned about? And how can I speak to them about Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So uh, here's another one. Why do you say that? Maybe somebody says something and you say, why do you say that? You're trying to figure out their intentions. Here's another one. Uh, If maybe you're talking to a believer and they say something that gets your attention or they're asking you a question and you say, what does scripture say? And I mentioned before that one minute we're face to face and things might be a little bit contentious. But as soon as we say, what does scripture say? We're now looking at a Bible together, shoulder to shoulder, and we have the opportunity to have unity in the understanding of God. And so how you act at this intersection, in this meeting, which could very well be arranged by God, how you figure out where to go is very important. You are going to decide if you're going to engage or if you're going to disengage. It seems to me that many of us think that we are so controlled in that 
really, if you really look at it, we, we do the controlling. We control our actions. I mean, your point. We accept agreements. Right. The only behavior you can control is your own. And so we have choice in that. And and when we tether ourselves, when we when we tie ourselves to the ultimate truth, um, then, I mean, we are choosing our actions right there, not letting the word, world control us. Absolutely. And if you feel yourself getting pulled out to sea, grab your rope, pull yourself back toward Jesus, pull yourself back toward your uh, your concrete block, your anchor, a man who builds his house on a foundation of rock. And by the way, that kind of begs how to disengage. Maybe you need to disengage from that person. They're pulling you out to sea. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a world who wants to tie you up in a fight. This is a world that wants in your OODA loop, and they want to tell you how to think and act. And by the way, look around. They are not the people to be telling us how to think and act. So there will come a time when you need to disengage. And the world wants to tell you that uh, because they ask a question, you should answer it. No, I don't have to. Remember the old saying, I'm not going to dignify that question with a response? The world wants to tell you that you can't say no, but you can say no. You can say, no, I'm not having this conversation. You can say, no, this conversation is not profitable within the kingdom of God. You can say, no, this conflicts with my values. Either way, you are allowed to disengage and say no. Right. It's it's really very, something very important we need to learn, and it's in how you say no. And what even what I heard you say there was you're saying no based on your own, yourself, how you're choosing to act. Something we talk about is an I statement. That That doesn't work for me. That isn't within something I want to talk about. It's not profitable for God. You're not putting it on them and trying to you know, influence conflict. Right. But we have to see this as combat. Yeah. I I mean, nobody wants to be rude. I'm not advocating to be rude, but neither am I advocating that the world should drive you around the battlefield. Absolutely. You can say, I don't want to talk about that. You can say, uh, those are not my values. Hey, do you want to go out and uh, get a drink and do this, that, and the next thing? No, thanks. Well, why not? It's not my values. I don't hang around in bars. I'm not interested in that. Thank you very much. Again, you you come to it with the best intentions. You come to it in the understanding that we are to go and make disciples of all nations. You come to this whole thing looking for the best in everybody. At this intersection, whether it's in a checkout line or whether it's at a car that's on the side of the road or whether it's at a dinner party, Somebody asks you a question, somebody wants to start the ball rolling, and you say, why do you ask? Or you say, why do you say that? Or you say, what does Scripture say? See where they're coming from, decide if you want to engage or disengage, and if you want to disengage, understand that is your right. And in dogfighting especially, you have two options. You can either fight or disengage. So when you're dogfighting, this is a very expensive airplane paid for by the taxpayers, if you don't come into the fight with an advantage, you go straight through the other side of the fight. You, it's called bugging out. It's called disengaging. You, you don't even hazard that airplane. If you're not going to win, then disengage. And it's the same with these conversations. If it's not profitable to the kingdom of God, if it's not about truth, if it's not about compassion, then disengage right away. Don't waste the time. And how you do that is up to you, but the word no is yours to use. All of this is very important, 
It is the truth, because uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So every pretension, this is a very active thing. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought. So you have to be a participant in this. And that discussion of Scripture brings us to the moment of truth, which uh, we have in every show, where we look at Scripture, which informs our discussion. And we do this to remind ourselves that God's Word is our first refuge, that it is always relevant, and that it never fails. And today our moment of truth comes from Titus chapter 1, verse 9. In speaking about a mature Christian, Paul says, He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. There's a lot in that. He must hold firmly. So hold on to that rope firmly. It's attached to the concrete anchor of Jesus. And it's a trustworthy message, as it is written in the Bible. And you have that uh, opportunity and that responsibility in order to encourage others with sound doctrine and to refute those who oppose it. As I said last week, as Christians, we stand at the edge of darkness. We stand on the border of a land which is bathed in God's loving light. Though we once lived in darkness, now in Jesus, we're restored to the light, but across the border, just a short distance away, are those still in darkness. Where our faith meets the secular world, we will have the opportunity to interact with them. By asking questions, we'll better understand if they are seeking the light or if they are still deep in the heart of darkness. The distinction is important because we cannot allow ourselves to be dragged into enemy territory. Matthew chapter 7 verse 6 says, Do not give to dogs what is sacred. If you do, they may turn and tear you to pieces. If they're in the heart of darkness and you're at the edge of darkness, you're still worlds apart. If, on the other hand, they've gravitated toward the light, then you may be successful as you engage. When our fear of engaging is overcome by our concern for those in darkness and a practical method of engagement, we will engage. Our desire to engage cannot be born of the need to be right. God owns that ground. Our desire to engage cannot be driven by the need to make others wrong. The enemy owns that ground. Our desire to engage comes from love. We own that. The only actions we control are our own. Ask questions and hold firmly to the trustworthy message while you do. Ask the Holy Spirit to work through you. Ask Jesus to protect you and disengage as necessary. And that brings us to our quote of the day by an author named Deshaun Stokes, who said, The more we're thrown into conflict with each other through engineered distrust, the less able we are to unite against those responsible. This is the devil's plan. To join him in his plan is madness. Jesus' plan is love, peace, truth, abundant life, and service in God's kingdom. To join him in his plan is our life's joy. We cannot serve two masters. I recently saw a video on YouTube. It showed a woman screaming obscenities at a policeman, and I thought about the hypocrisy of a culture which has no rules but tells everybody else how to behave. I don't want to be the guy who tells people how to behave as a man who falls short on a daily basis. I want to come to the world in love and compassion with a desire to understand 
and to shine God's light. The truth is that the only behavior we can control is our own. The truth is that if we are to love our neighbor, the best thing we can do for him is to nurture our relationship with Jesus. When we have that strong attachment to that concrete block on the beach, and when we know we can trust that rope, then every day we can go out a little further, knowing that if we get into deep water, we can pull ourselves back, but always tethered to the truth. Wherever life takes us on this battlefield, we must come from a place of peace. As Christians, we are not in the like or dislike business. We're in the truth in love business. First we live it, and then we speak it with compassion. And that is Courageous Christianity. Should you want to reach us, we can be contacted at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com or 281-656-1833. Thanks for joining Christy and me today. We are honored to walk with you in Christ. God bless and simplify. Cast away on a lonely shore.